This week's Deeper Dig is brought to you by Casella Waste Systems. Let's recycle better together. Be sure to empty and clean recyclables. When in doubt, throw it out. Americans toss far too many non-recyclable items in their recycling bins. It adds up and hurts recycling programs. Learn what belongs in your blue bin at casella.com recycle better. Let's recycle better together. There we go. Hey, Hi. Emma, how's it going? All right, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, do you uh, do you want to start with you a little bit and what you're kind of looking for and what you've gathered so far, or do you want me to just jump into my crazy nightmare of a story? Yeah, I will. This is Emma Pouch. Emma lives in Lincoln with her fiancé, along with some chickens and goats and a Great Dane. Back in 2020, she ran a dog grooming salon in Colchester. One day, she was driving home. Halloween? October 31st, 2020, Um, full moon. (laughs) And she felt something she had never felt before. My hands and feet went numb. Yeah, it was terrifying because I was driving. But luckily, I was really close to home. Emma finished the drive and made it up the stairs of her house. She said it was muscle memory. She called her fiancé and her doctor. Um, And I was like, I don't know what's going on, but something weird is happening. It didn't quite freaked me out too much yet but then there was a back of my mind going like probably make sure you didn't have a stroke or something like that you know there was no explanation she went to the emergency room at porter medical center in middlebury they ran some tests but didn't find anything and meanwhile i'm like progressing in a really strange way like there was this really strange brain to body disconnect where it was really strange to walk and it was really strange to brush my teeth like the things you don't think about that you, 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 you're you using your brain for every day that you don't think about using your brain for every day, there was this strange sensation. Emma was 34 at the time. She's athletic. She's been a dancer since she was a kid and taught dance classes part-time. She's a hiker, a snowboarder. She never had any major health problems. But she did catch COVID-19 back in March 2020. She was sick for about six weeks. So when these strange symptoms started showing up, her primary care doctor said, maybe there's a connection. It didn't quite cross my mind right away until my primary care mentioned it. And then I was like, yeah, I was wondering. And then when I talked about it to the neurologist, again, so new. They were all kind of like, maybe it's kind of new. I don't know. And you have to kind of pinpoint those doctors who were willing to say, I don't really know, but we're going to keep looking into this because clearly something's up. Emma now counts herself among the estimated millions of people nationwide and potentially thousands in Vermont who live with long COVID. There's a scientific term for this, post-acute sequelae of COVID-19. But patients themselves have pushed to call this disease long COVID because it's more inclusive of the whole array of symptoms and health conditions that can follow a coronavirus infection. Very intense pains in my head, on my face, weird tingling feelings in my extremities. I was having a a very bad sleep. I'd go for the shortest walk around the block all flat and I would start falling asleep and yawning while I was walking. My left side is really heavy. My left foot is dragging. I'm having trouble walking. 
I started becoming allergic to everything. So um, I would break out, my ear would swell and it would come into my lips, my face. My face got red and I was having tinnitus, tinnitus, they, people call it different things. I was having little surges of stuff go through my head and I ended up with ringing in my head that hasn't gone away. I also was noticing a lot of fuzzy vision in my left side, kind of double vision stuff. These headaches have been like nothing I've ever experienced. I've pretty much had a headache since that time every single day, all, all day. To me, this is a migraine that is of the maximum intensity possible. Like it, your entire brain is just firing and everything is intensified to, to the max. I couldn't breathe and um, my heart rate, I could feel it. You know, as a former smoker, I get that once in a while, but not, not like this. These symptoms can last for months. For some patients, they've come and gone for almost two years. And while clinical understanding of long COVID has advanced in important ways, a lot about the condition remains a mystery. And many of these patients are still facing barriers to quality treatment. I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. There's this whole array of symptoms for long COVID, but doctors told me there are four that tend to stand out. Brain fog, fatigue, shortness of breath, and exercise intolerance. Those may sound like mild, even common things, but patients experience them in ways that can be debilitating. Like, I've already been running a marathon. (laughs) Just like sitting here talking to you. Like my body, there's some vascular dysregulation going on where that's why my muscles hurt is I have like lactic acid buildup. I'm like sprinting all the time (laughs) is like what my muscles are doing, but it's not a good burn. You know, when you have a really long time off and then you go snowboarding for the first time in like two years and the next day you're like, Oh man, I forgot I had those muscles. And you're laughing at yourself going up the stairs and you're making fun of you yourself like, oh man, I better exercise those muscles more often. Ha ha ha. That's a good burn. That's like a, a good burn. The burn I feel every day is not a good burn. But when I rode my bike, it was really challenging. Um, with the brain fog, um, I became unsafe. I, you know, I was in the right-hand lane on North Avenue where I live and um, I was taking a left and I was looking at the cars coming toward me. There weren't cars like that. Just, and I took a left. I was on the side road and like, wait a minute, I didn't look behind me. This is Melanie Channery. She lives in Burlington. And even though she didn't crash her bike that day, she realized that with her brain fog, there were things that she just would not be able to do anymore. When that happened with the bike, I stepped back and at the same time doing woodworking, I was making mistakes. So I was building this kitchen cabinet and I have a gap in the joint here and a gap in the joint here. I'm like, wait a minute. But the thing is that I can't figure out what I did wrong. I know I did. I know I did something wrong, but I go back and I can't do it. You know, I went down there to cut the measurements. I'm like, and my measurements were three inches off. There was a time when I was going back to my house and I I said to my partner, I'm like, because I used to say, oh, I'm going to go on the high. I'm going to go in the belt line. I'm going to go on North Avenue. And I said, I'm going to go. And I couldn't think of either. And it's something, it's just the thing I do. I'm like, I'm going to go back to the house on the belt line. I'm going to go on North Avenue. I couldn't think of either. Like it was weird. And another time it was like, I had talked about going to the chiropractor after seeing the cardiologist and 
And she was like, I didn't know you went to the chiropractor today. I didn't know you saw a doctor so-and-so. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh no, this is a cardiologist. Melanie said there's a constant trade-off. She knows that if she needs to do something cognitive, like a meeting or a conversation, she has to avoid other activities in order to stay sharp. It's like a gas tank, basically the same theory. is like you start with a quarter tank instead of a full tank. So what are you going to do with that quarter tank? Or so with that is like, you know, taking a shower. Do I take a shower before I'm going to read? No, um, I can't do that because I have to lay down and sleep, you know, or something. And then when you feel mentally, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to go see these people or I want to, you know, have three Zoom calls in a day. And then it's like, oh, my heart rate's up and I actually want to go for a walk and I'm, I'm feeling fatigued. I'm falling asleep during this movie I was really looking forward to all, all week, you know. The clinical term for this pattern is post-exertional malaise. It shows up with similar illnesses like myalgic encephalomyelitis, what's commonly known as chronic fatigue syndrome. That process of budgeting out your energy is called pacing. So like my interview with you right now, um, I'm going to have to, I had to lay down before this. I'm going to have to lay down after. It's just like you have to manage how much energy exertion you have, whether it's talking cognitive or physical. It's just this constant making sure you stay within this window of energy that you have every day. Um, It's really difficult to figure out. This is Krista Coombs. She lives in Bennington. Krista said the thing about these types of symptoms is that they're really hard to test for. You have to describe them to your doctor. And with long COVID being such a new disease, a lot of doctors still don't understand what they're hearing. I've been really made fun of quite a bit just because my age, I'm 49. So everyone's like, you're in, you know, this is just menopause. This is just your cycle and sucks to be you. There's nothing we can do. Kind of that language, or I've been laughed at outright, made fun of for everything I say. It's been really hard. Um, But lately, my team at Dartmouth, the headache clinic um, in particular, at least they seem helpful. And they were listened to my story and didn't make fun of me and said, we're really sorry this happened to you. But that's honestly the first time that someone said that to me. And that's been You know, I've been doing this now for a year and a half of looking for doctors anyway. Krista said she's been shut out of the few long COVID clinics in our area because she never tested positive for COVID. That's not uncommon, especially among people like Krista, who got COVID back in March 2020 when it was hard to get a test. But clinical care is key to treating long COVID. Because the disease can attack several different organ systems, treating it requires seeing several different doctors, which can be frustrating on its own. Part of the issue with long haul COVID is you go to the cardiologist and they're looking at your heart and you go to the neurologist and they're looking at your brain and you go to the ear doctor and they're like, Oh no, I'm just an ear doctor. I can't, you know, so everyone's got these like blinders on, you know, the whole medical system, everyone's got their specialty and they even go so far as to say their specialty and their interest. So they're not interested in anything else. So it just would blow my mind that I would go to these doctors and say, this is multi-system. Here are all the things that are wrong with me. And they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear all that. I just want to focus on your eyes or I just want to focus on your, you know, whatever. Um, So part of navigating and finding good doctors were the doctors that were willing to take notes on the other stuff too. Even their stuff that's not their department. Because I knew that we were going to need to look back and go, this is a whole system going on. 
This can be particularly challenging in Vermont. The state has a shortage of both primary care providers and specialists, which is leading to increasingly long wait times for tests and other appointments. Patients are also traveling long distances to get care. Emma told me she found more sympathetic doctors in Boston than in Vermont, so every couple months she makes the trip. Krista is about two hours away from her doctors at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Even her primary care doctor is in Brattleboro because she couldn't find one in Bennington when she moved there. So where does that leave you in terms of just the day-to-day management of what you're dealing with? I don't know where it leaves me. Um, I feel like we can only get so far with what we all are seeing as long haulers and sharing information. I mean, there's some amazing thing happening on that end. Citizen science, patient-led research, a small group that's raising their own money to, to get researchers who we all feel actually have research that should be looked at further as patients, like trying to find that interim way that then they can be also recognized and get more money to do a larger study. So there's some really great things happening in that way. But in terms of, I don't think there's a medicine out there right now that can fix this. There's lots of things that help a little bit, but nothing that seems to be really the magic. (laughs) So I just, we rest, we pace, we try to get our circadian rhythms back in normal, um, which is like a constant battle for some reason. Um, It's just this day-to-day, just trying to keep things as good as we possibly can until there's more research, until there's more help. It's kind of, I guess, where I'm at. There's no cure for long COVID, but most patients do recover, at least partially, through managing their symptoms. Physical therapy and speech-language pathology can help, and some patients improve on certain medications. That's what happened to Mel Simeonidis. About 10 days into the lockdown in March 2020, Mel started getting serious migraines. I was having this intense sound sensitivity, so bad that I remember going outside for a walk uh, with my wife, and the sound of the leaves rustling in the wind was so intense that I literally had to go home and just lay in bed. The pain caused by the sound was a physical pain that I would feel throughout my entire head. So, you know, I've talked to doctors about this, and they say, like, I've never heard of anything like that. But I've also talked to a bunch of other people who have long COVID, and they've felt things like that. (laughs) Mel said it took almost a year before he saw a neurologist who could get his migraines under control. But the whole experience got him invested in advocating for long COVID patients. Mel happens to be a virologist at UVM, so he's joined the Patient-Led Research Collaborative, a volunteer network of long COVID patients who also help with research efforts. He's also become more outspoken about his own illness. It just sort of gets to me when when I find people, you know, especially people who have a big soapbox and have a lot of followers, uh, just spreading misinformation about it, like saying that it doesn't happen or that it's just pandemic fatigue or, you know, of course you're going to get these symptoms if you suddenly have to lock down in your house for three months or something like that, uh, which is patently untrue. There's been tons of research about this. There's no question about it. It, it is a real physiological illness that is very, very real. (laughs) Mel follows new research closely. He said certain key questions, like whether or not the virus itself is still present in people who have long COVID, could help determine what kinds of medications will help patients get better. There's almost one new paper uh, every day 
that's coming out and it's about long COVID directly and it's by some big group. And if it's not a published paper in a big journal, then it's a preprint that will get published soon. So I think there's a lot of activity right now. And the thing that is clearest to me that is coming out is this picture of long COVID as an autoimmune disease. Uh, You know, autoimmune diseases are, you know, things like MS or lupus uh, or type one diabetes or, you know, things like that. But this seems to be like its own kind of autoimmune disease. It's not exactly the same as those diseases, but it has some common features in, in the kinds of things that are going wrong in the body. This autoimmune thing that is emerging is kind of promising because autoimmune diseases have been worked on for a long time and there are medicines, there are drugs, new drugs keep coming out all the time for autoimmune disease. So that is promising. Where do you feel like that leaves you as somebody who, you know, still is dealing with some symptoms and kind of watching and, you know, wanting to see the research advance, but in the meantime, dealing with this yourself? I, I think personally, I'm doing well enough that it's something that is, I wouldn't say in the background of my life, but it, it is uh, it's just become a part of my life that allow, and I'm I'm fine with just having it there. And I deal with the symptoms. I'm on the right kind of medicine. I hope I can continue to be on the right kind of medicine. So of course that is contingent on me having healthcare, uh, health insurance, and hopefully that continues. But um, it doesn't dominate my life the way it did for the first like year or year and a half. Melanie Jannery said the same thing. Despite her brain fog, she finished her master's degree in social work last year, and she's excited to get back to work this year. Accepting her illness has been a big part of that. I feel really challenged by this, you know, coming at me. I had goals of like doing, you know, deeper yoga or going on higher, like I have never hiked camel stump. I would like to. There's a little, you know, part of me that wants to do that still, but is like when you're walking up the stairs and your heart rate, or like I was standing at the microwave the other day, my heart rate was 129. I was like, wait a minute, this morning I got a better, like looked out, I was like, oh, 126. Oh, okay, great. It's going to be a good day. You know, it, it, you know, and facing these things, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to move forward. It's like, if I'm sitting there and it's like this thing, and I'm feeling exhausted, but it's like, you know, I have, um, like I have a right to a good life. And it's, I think part of that is meaningful work. And, you know, accepting, like, I, I do have long COVID and that's okay. Krista Coombs advocates for patients like herself through the COVID-19 Long Hauler Advocacy Project. In the past year, she's met with the staff of Vermont's congressional delegates, urging them to advance a federal bill to establish a national long COVID patient registry and fund new research and education initiatives. But she said her main goal is to help individual patients feel heard. The winter was just awful for me in 2020, and I just didn't want anyone else to have to do do this without support. You know, that was kind of my motivation, as I can't just sit here holding on to all this. Somehow I, I have to have some sort of purpose. I have to put this out there to see, you know, have people understand this is a, this is a possibility. This can happen. So I think that was kind of what that part was. Emma Pouch said that skepticism is always there. She said it's one thing to hear it from doctors who are being asked to treat a totally new chronic illness, but it's another to hear it from your friends and neighbors. I luckily do surround myself with people who are understanding and very supportive and just want me to feel better. But 
most day-to-day people I run into or try to explain what's happening or try to explain why I'm not, why I'm not working or why I'm not dancing or why I'm not just able to push through it. Like I always do. They don't just don't understand. And I can say I'm fatigued till I'm blue in the face and they're still going to look at me and go, but you look okay. They, they just won't understand. And maybe you won't ever understand because you've never, I don't know if you've had chronic Lyme or chronic, you know, like I, I never had until now. Old me would not understand what I'm going through. So there's a certain isolation that we're going through that you can't really describe to anybody, even if they are the most supportive person next to you. You know, it's, it's isolating the hours I spend by myself anyway. And, you know, we're all dealing with that with the pandemic and lockdown or working from home or, or whatever that might be. But then there's this kind of unbelievable reality of like what's going on with my body and what's going on with my brain. And there aren't really words in the English language that I can piece together and put out there for someone to go oh I understand what you're saying I understand what you're going through it's just mind-blowing all around and even some of the people who do take the time to read the research articles I send them or whatever they just go I'm so sorry I don't know what to do and that's all we can do that's all we can do for each other as long haulers too is go I'm really sorry none of us know what to do and and that's where we're at right now Thanks to Emma Pouch, Melanie Jannery, Krista Coombs, and Mel Simeonidis for sharing their stories. You can read more about long COVID in Vermont at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID coverage in one place at vtdigger.org coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then.